Welcome to the Recon Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to answer some of your questions about it being your first time at an event. We put some questions out on social media and some of you came back with some really good ones. I remember my first time at an event and hopefully some of what we talk about here today will help you too. Enjoy the episode. I remember my first time going to a fetish event. It was a very well-known event uh, here based in Southeast London in uh, Camberwell. And I remember it was on at Imperial Gardens. And when I walked in the door, I just remember thinking like, holy fuck, I had no idea um, that so much was happening in a kink and fetish space. And I just remember thought what I would do because I wasn't quite sure what I was allowed to do, what I should do, what I shouldn't do. But I just remember standing back against the wall almost the whole night. If walls could talk, I probably would have been a part of the wall uh, myself, you know, to talk about what I had seen and walking around um, and feeling absolutely overwhelmed by what was happening. But a good thing that worked for me was I was not on my own. And I think if I'd been on my own, you know, I probably would have not stayed as long as I did or seen as much, even gotten to the point of becoming comfortable within the space. So there's definitely one good thing, um, you know, because I had friends. Um, and this is always one of the things we always try to say to, you know, people talk about coming on their own. And I think that's always a huge issue. People are always very worried and very concerned about not, you know, somebody else writes in, can I come by myself? Um, and there's no rule that says you can't come by yourself. If you're travel, if you know, if you're comfortable going out on your own, then absolutely you can come by yourself. One good thing that I like about, uh, a lot of the events, especially the recon ones, I will talk specifically about ours is that I find them to be quite social. And there are lots of people who are always keen and willing to chat and say hi and welcome you into a fold. But I also understand that if you don't know anyone, sometimes making that first approach or, um, you know, starting that first conversation with someone can definitely be a little bit tricky. And someone asked us before, you know, like, why aren't you guys like making sure that, you know, you introduce us to other people? Um, and I think it's not necessarily a bad point, but I think especially in the run up to fetish week, a lot of these questions and the points are going to be very valid. And what we try to do when we think about putting fetish week together is to organize the events in such a way that they start off very social. So we are creating a number of avoidance of events, which actually gives you the space to relax, ease in before the heavy play parties come at the end of the week. Um, and the space is actually there for you to chat and talk to other people and meet other people, get a bit comfortable with the atmosphere. And I think it's not bad to say that Fetish Week is definitely a progression in terms of, you know, how you experience uh, your kink and your fetish at events, especially if you are a first timer. Um, you know, I would definitely suggest you come to something that's social at the beginning of the week. So you get a good idea of what the atmosphere feels like just to be around people who are in gear, you know, even before the other side of the fun, in quotes, begins later in the week. Um, you know, but having a friend or having an ally, if you have someone else who goes with you, it's always good. The other thing that we always encourage people to do, you'll see in a lot of our social media posts, one thing we say is, you know, 
go to the event listing, add yourself and see who else is going. And if you can see who else is going, this also gives you another really good opportunity to chat to people online and also maybe arrange to meet someone else at an event. You know, it's also very easy to say, look, this is my first time. I'm feeling a little bit nervous or a little bit uncomfortable about coming. Um, I don't want to be on myself with, you know, by myself would be great to meet someone else there. Um, we have been putting this in our posts for ages. So we encourage you. This is always something you should try to do, especially if you are a first timer. Add yourself to the Let's see who else is going. And you can also begin online conversations with someone before you get out. Um, we know that some people will say, you know, do I always need to wear gear? I don't have any fetish gear. Where do I start? Um, and I think this is so different for so many people. I've seen people who've come to their first event and, you know, they said, Oh my God, I went out to a fetish shop and I bought an entire outfit, but everyone, doesn't have, you know, the space or the time, or they may not be ready to invest so much in buying a full outfit for an event. Um, and I would suggest what you might do then is look at the dress code. Um, most, uh, events or fetish events definitely have a page or something else that will give you suggestions for a dress code. And if you're still unsure, write into the event organizer. You know, we get emails and all the time from people writing in, I'm not sure about this outfit or that fit or I don't have any. One thing you should definitely consider if you're a first timer at an event when it comes to the dress code, you know, most of the other people there will have invested quite a lot in their gear. You may not be able to do the same, but the thing to consider is there is a dress code and the dress code or the gear that people are wearing is also something that contributes very heavily to the atmosphere. So you wouldn't, for instance, let's say go to a rubber party wearing a jeans and a t-shirt, you know, pedestrian wear is not allowed. You will kind of like break the atmosphere. And it's also unfair, if I could say that, to the other people who actually made the effort to dress up. So I would say if you're going in, you want to actually consider what kind of effort can you make um, to make sure that you're adhering to the dress code if there is a specific dress code for an event. People will write in and sometimes if I can, I'll give you options. Um, there are also places I will always try to suggest where you might go to find gear, which is a little less expensive. Um, one thing we know that's worked for a number of people, uh, that has proven good on entry point into the fetish scene, especially with no gear is something like the pups. It's gear, which is relatively less expensive. A lot of it is quite fluid, um, quite transient. And there are a lot of things which you can, you can wear or pull out. Um, so maybe a pop social or something else like this might also be a good first event. We're thinking about things like fetish week, uh, in terms of, well, I have no gear and you want to ease yourself into it. We have things like this year, especially the film screening, the masterclass event or the fetish cabaret, um, or even the Sunday social, which don't have a really strict dress code policy and allows for a little bit more fluidity and expression with your gear or lack thereof. Um, so these may also be good entry points, but I would suggest definitely look at the dress code page um, for the event and don't be afraid of contacting the event organizer for some advice. What is another question? Da, 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 da. Will people be into what I'm into? I mean, where do we begin with this one? What exactly is it that you are into that you may be worried? I think, you know, we um, for a long time, this has been a slogan from Recon, you know, what are you into? And 
we have a number of interests on the platform. Uh, and so it's also really quite good. Let's say if you go back to that list of, you know, adding yourself to the event and seeing who else is going, it's also a good way for you to find out what people are going to be into before you get to the event. But it's also something to consider. Um, whether there's a social space or a dance floor space or a playroom, we'll cater to a lot of other elements. But like anything else, the same as you would do chatting to people online, I guess you would look and observe and figure out whether or not people are into the same thing. But you can also definitely start these conversations with people before you actually get into an event. So you understand the space you're going into and hopefully you will have some fun and find what it is that you want. Uh, another question that has come from a lot of people, which is about attending with poppers. And this is a question that comes up time and time again, every single year, every time we do an event, the question about poppers comes up. And I would imagine that there are probably different rules for poppers in an event in different cities or different countries or also at different venues. One of the reasons why poppers has become such a sticking point, especially with uh, venues, is um, we know the original formula has been changed because it was deemed to be, um, you know, quite dangerous as a substance, but they so they've changed the formula. Um, one of the other things with poppers is also um, we know that with the growth of things like, uh, G, you know, on the fetish scene, uh, the boys have got a little bit, um, clever. And a lot of people started, of course, putting G into the poppers bottles. And that was a way of bringing it into the venue. So most venues, if they allow you to bring poppers, will only allow you to come with a sealed bottle because this is a way for them to make sure well, that you haven't put something else into the bottle or you're not trying to bring an illegal substance into the venue. The other thing that venues used to do before, and I remember the first time going to some fetish events earlier, it was really quite funny because security uh, team would have to basically sniff the poppers. Can you imagine 500 people bringing poppers into a venue and security have to sniff 500 bottles of poppers? I mean, they'd be on the ground within an hour. So it's something that's really not quite manageable in terms of especially the safety of the security team in the venue. So this is why most venues will say sealed poppers, sealed bottles of poppers only, because we can't have people smelling it. And it's just not right. There are some venues which have now started selling poppers. So if you're really concerned about having your poppers confiscated, then I would just suggest you just be very practical. Don't bring an opened bottle, bring a sealed bottle. But it's also very good sometimes to check in with venues to see what their rules are, because one rule for one venue does not necessarily mean that the other venue must adopt the same rule. So it's very often going to be about the spaces that you're in and whether or not they will allow you to bring a sealed bottle because some venues won't even have it. They don't want it at all. You know, for them, it's more like risk aversion. If we don't have it in our space, we don't have to worry about risks for issues or safety things that may come up because people try to bring illegal substances in them. The other question that has come up quite a lot um, is about pre-mixed lube. People want to bring their own lube in. And this is a very often a question, um, that's come from, you know, the fisters. At recon events, we supply, uh, lube for the playroom and the darkroom areas. So you don't necessarily need to do bring lube if you're just going to be 
fucking. Um, but if you are a very keen uh, fister, very often we know that people have preference for the type of fisting group that they want. Most venues will now allow you to bring it in, but you must also be prepared that they may ask you to test it on your skin. And this is just to ensure that you're bringing in, once again, a substance which is not illegal or something which may be harmful to someone else or like corrosive substances or something like acid or something else like this. Um, and believe me, these things have occurred at other venues. So we're also thinking about not just you coming in with a thing that you want and having fun, but we're thinking about safety overall. So when these things come up, it's definitely about safety, not just for yourself, but for the security team, for the venue staff, and also for other people who are at these events. So in most places, you can bring premix lube, but you should be prepared. The security will ask you to test it on your skin. And if you are bringing it, don't try to hide it. Be very open with it and say, yes, I have it. I have this, you know, and I'm happy to test it on my skin to make sure that it's a safe substance, you know, that I want to use. The other thing around safety and bringing your other things in is also safety shares, you know, safety scissors. This is something that's really important, especially if you're into um, rope play or some kind of bondage play. It may be a part of a bondage kit that you may bring. Um, at Recon events, one thing that we always do is have discussions with security beforehand to let them know that there are people who will bring safety shares. Um, for listeners, if you don't know what these are, these would be the little safety scissors you might find in a first aid kit. You know, they're flat tipped at the end, uh, which means they have no pointy edges. So if you also someone who's involved in um, rope play or shibari or anything else like this, and you want, you should be aware that these are the types of scissors you should have. You're having it for the safety of the person that um, you're also involved in your scene with or playing with to make sure that if something else happened, you can cut the rope very quickly and release them. Um, but it's also making sure that if you are bringing scissors, that you're bringing in the right kind. So I would definitely check your first aid kit and make sure that you understand exactly the type of safety shears which will be allowed into a venue. Other important question that has come up also about bringing things in around safety is prescribed medication. This is also a very popular question. A lot of people are worried about it, whether it's medication to do with diabetes or anxiety. Uh, some people may come in with their PrEP or with their HIV medication if you're taking it on a time schedule, which may be, you know, you're... 10 p.m. time that you take it may be in the middle of an event, so you'll need to bring it and access it. What you need to make sure if you're bringing in any prescription medication is to one, make sure that you're actually bringing it in the bottle that the medication comes in. A lot of people may try to bring it and hide it and, you know, as something else, but this leaves questions then for the venue security. Well, is this really the medication that you're telling us that it is? Um, very often a lot of spaces will have to go away and get the medic staff to come back and actually verify um, that it is what you're telling them it is. But for, I guess, the ease of actually getting it in with a lot less complication is to make sure that you're bringing it in the prescription bottle to make sure that it is what it is. Or, you know, if you have it in a pill box, which sometimes a lot of people will travel with, you should be able to say, you know, well, the medic can verify that this is what it is that it does. So always get them to check, um, but always be sure and make sure that you're bringing in proper medication, not trying to smuggle in, you know, some other party babies. There is another question that's come about, about what are sensible essentials to bring along? And I think this is a question that may vary for, you know, a lot of other people. When you're dealing with security, especially in coming into a venue or coming into a space, safety still remains number one. So 
you don't want to bring anything that you don't need, you know, sharp objects and, or something else like this, like knives. I know we've had an issue, an event before where somebody who was into knife play came and wanted to bring in sharp knives. And this was quite something trying to explain to the security of the venue that, well, this guy's into knife play and this is what he needs. You know, he's not going to cut someone, but it's all about the threat and blah, blah, blah. And it was, a very long discussion, but unfortunately, he wasn't allowed to bring the knives in, you know, that we couldn't, at, on this particular occasion, convince the security that this was just about um, play. So you want to think about the types of things that you're bringing in, especially if you're involved in, um, you know, some other forms of BDSM play. This question has also come up in things like people bringing in handcuffs. So we'll also need to make sure if you do bring them, you just be very open and honest with the security. You know, look, I have this, this is the part of my BDSM thing. Do you have safety keys? Yes, I have the safety keys for it. You know, so if I lock someone, I can safely get them out. These are questions that security should rightly be concerned about. And you should be too, in terms of thinking about the safety of the people that you're playing with or engaging with when you're at an event. Uh, the other thing, talking about essentials, what you should bring or should not bring, um, this is we've also had an incident come up of somebody wearing an outfit that was so similar to the security outfit at a venue they were asked to basically change and i think that's something we always have to think about carefully um and it's because i understand from the venue's point of view they don't want somebody else who's running around the dark room to be confused with a member of the security team or a member of the medic team or the welfare team because if somebody does have an issue and they run up to you and go hey this is happening to me you know i've been touching a property or something else you can't be dressed like this and just go oh well i'm not the you know security that's someone else so this is also something you want to think about and i guess this brings us very um, smoothly into the point of, you know, once again, dress code. So really think about what it is you're wearing when you're at an event and what the dress code uh, should be. You always want to make sure that you're comfortable, that you're fitting in with the scene, you know, and once again, check the event website for the dress code page or contact the organizers just to double check. Hey, I want to wear this. Is this going to be allowed? Is this acceptable? Um, and we will very happily answer those questions for you. And if we need to also, we will very happily, I certainly will contact the venue and find out whether or not it's appropriate. And I think it's much better for you to err on the side of caution and ask beforehand rather than come to the party and risk being asked to leave or asked to change your gear um, because it's not appropriate or it's not right or they don't think that it's going to be safe for you or other attendees at the venue. Need something tight and shiny for a special event? Want ideas for your next session? At Regulation, we're stocking thousands of products, including leather, rubber, toys, electro, restraints, and playroom furniture. Now shipping worldwide, or get free UK shipping when you spend over £25. Visit our London store or shop online at regulation.co.uk. Regulation. Kink. Delivered. Another question that comes up very often, uh, do you have lockers and changing facilities on site? I think 
most venues or most clubs uh, in London, outside of London, around the world will have some kind of coat check or cloakroom facility. And that's a given. There will always be somewhere for you to check your clothes in. Um, we've done um, events before where they didn't have a coat check at all, like an empty space, and we actually build one. So we will actually always have a coat check space. Um, lockers are something very different. Some venues like saunas may provide them, but not every event will have lockers, but there will always be a coat check. Changing facilities are always something that's a little bit tricky um, because most venues aren't built for them. You know, they used to, a lot of the venues that are happening are old um, and they haven't added them or they haven't had space to have a separate changing room. We will always try to build or create a space for you to change at a venue. But most venues um, will just direct people if you want to change. Uh, like I remember the first one of the first events I went to. They pointed me directly to the toilets. You want to change? Go to the toilets. There isn't somewhere else. You know, this is a bar. We don't have a changing room. We have a coat check. But you must also understand a lot of venues are not purpose-built fetish venues. These are spaces which run as normal clubs or normal bars where people don't come and always want to change their clothes. So a lot of these facilities are not already existing uh, in place. So we have to build them where we can. Um, but it's sometimes also very good to check. Um and that also thinking about buildings and venues and spaces which have these purpose-built things. Somebody else also wrote in about showers. I want you to really think about how many of your local bars and clubs you've been to that has got a shower in it. It's just not possible. The venues aren't purpose-built. There are a very, there are only a few um, specially built, once again, BDSM or dungeon or fetish venues that have showers built into them. So I don't think you should always expect that venues will always have showers or that you'll always be able to shower at a space before you leave. Um, so you may want to think about an alternative. Somebody else told me before, well, I know that there are no showers and I'm involved in this kind of play. So they come equipped with their own towel, their wipes or whatever else, so they can actually clean themselves or freshen themselves up before they leave. So that's something you might consider if a venue doesn't have shower, but you feel like you're going to be involved in some kind of play where you may need to wash or tidy yourself up afterwards, then make sure that it is a part of your essential kits that you bring to the venue. And you can always explain, well, look, you don't have showers and I need this because when the event is over, I need to, you know, wash myself or clean myself. Um, before I leave, keeping keys and wallets safe, including things like also my ID and passport. This is a, a subject that comes up often. You'll be surprised how many times we get to an event and it's the end and we're cleaning up the space and we find keys, wallets, passports, driver's license. I'm not quite sure why you would want to have this with you in the dark room at the risk of losing it in the first place. I will tell you as an event organizer, the safest space for you to keep these things is the coat check. The cloakroom is the absolute best place for you to keep this. I know people feel like, I don't want to leave things in the coat check. Trust me, it is the best place. It is the safest space because it's guarded by security, the staff. There are always going to be cameras. So if you have anything that's of any value and you're bringing it to a venue, check it in. Leave it in your bag in the coat check. You will absolutely be guaranteed if you put it in your bag. When you collect your bag at the end of the evening, your passport, your ID, your keys, your wallets will still be in it. It's much safer for you to leave these things in the coat check or the cloakroom or the safe space before taking it into a dark room and, you know, at the risk of losing it. 
I remember the end of Fetishby class, yeah, I think three people lost their passports in a dark room. And, you know, these were people who were visitors to the UK. So they had to go to their embassies and get travel documents to go, which for me, if I go anywhere with an ID, you know, I'm definitely leaving it in my bag in the code check. And in terms of, I know that there are some people who don't have things like a driver's license or something else or another photo ID they may use, and they may only have their passport to travel with. And in this instance, I would say you definitely want to leave it in uh, a code check. But if you don't want to bring your passport and you do have a driver's license or some other form of government issued photo ID, I would definitely suggest you bring that with you to the venue. Um, It's much easier to replace a driver's license than it is to replace a passport. So think about that. The other thing somebody else wrote in and they wrote a suggestion, one that I forgot. And a lot of people I know do this already. You know, you also have the little football socks with pockets. Um, you know, the socks, the socks have little pockets in the sides of them. And I know a lot of people put keys or wallets or other things in them, or, you know, like a bank card or a credit card, or even your coat check ticket you put inside the little pocket in the socks, because sometimes you're wearing gear that doesn't have pockets. And you also want to do, well, what do I do with my coat check ticket? So these things like the little socks with pockets come in very handy if you're not wearing gear or something else that has pockets that you can put them in. Can I just be naked? People, naked is not a fetish. I mean, some people like nudity. They're like, I'm a nudist. I'm a naturist. I love being naked. But I wouldn't go to a fetish party and assume that I should just be able to run around and walk around naked. It is, though, always very funny. Sometimes we get to the end of an event and throughout the course of an evening, I will see people lose more and more of their clothing. And by the time the venue closes at 6 a.m., they're completely naked. But naked is not a fetish. So you definitely want to start, well, come in with some gear and make sure that you're dressed appropriately. But you can't just rock up at the door and say, I don't have any gear. I'm just going to walk around naked in boots. That's not allowed. There are other organizers who do naked parties or have naked spaces or they do naked events and recon to date has not done a naked event not saying that we will never do one in the future but we have not to date done one so i will remind you naked is not a fetish if you end up naked at the end of the night uh, that's another question but in terms of nudity it's also something you want to think about Um, And a lot of venues will set these guidelines in place for us when we're coming in, you know, like, hey, you can do this and it's fine. And but we don't want people walking around with their genitals out. And you may also have to think about, you know, we build dark rooms and play spaces for you to do this. Um, But it does not mean that you should be, you know, standing at the bar ordering a drink, you know, with your knob you know just flopping all over the place and you know this basically i guess also ties into the question another point that somebody else brought up you know they were asking well can i fuck anywhere in the venue and real answer to that is no you can't and no you shouldn't and once again this is out of respect for people like the venue staff for bar staff for security most cases venues are not allowed to have all male staff or all gay staff um that's being discriminatory so you should also understand and take into consideration that very often there may be women working behind the bar and you should also take into consideration they may have never seen two guys shagging before and they don't want to see that so why would you do it at the bar when we have spent hours building a dark room for you to do as much of that as you want so it's definitely something to think about have a little bit of respect 
for the staff working in the venue and keep your sex in allocated spaces. I think it makes life just a lot easier for everyone. We know that one place that you necessarily can't stop the genitals flopping. And I, I always think about, you know, the little ladies, uh, the toilet attendants, and I'm sure they are praying they have prayed for me before and they probably pray for a lot of you in church on Sunday. They've probably never seen as much cock in their lives as you guys coming to the toilets, you know, to wash and clean yourselves. And it's just also just saying you have to do it. We know it. But there's also a matter of discretion and just a little bit of respect and a little bit of consideration for the person who's working in that space, whether they're male or female identified. You know, at the end, you want to clean yourself off. That's fine. But try and be a little more respectful. We know that you can be, you know, it's for you and it's also for them. Okay, another question that has come in. Will there be a piss play area at Full Fetish on the 15th? We don't quite know that yet. We're actually still in discussion with the venue around the safety issue of having um, a water sports area at the venue. And it's really very simple. The floors are wooden. And if it leaks out, the floors stay wet, they get smelly. If there's uh, an event in the venue the following day, you can't get the smell of piss out. So let's call a spade a spade. You can't get the smell of piss out of anywhere very easily if it does break. And this also presents a number of issues why a lot of venues won't allow it. It does leave a stench if it stays behind. Um, and if they're having an, an event or something else the following day, it's just not possible for them to clean it beforehand enough so that their other event that's coming in um, won't be exposed to it. And the other thing that a lot of other venues are concerned about is also in the likelihood that it does leak out. You know, there are wires and cables running in other places. Um, will there be a spillage and, you know, will there be a short circuit? So it's one of the things we always have to consider about whether or not we're allowed to do it is what type of floor is in the space? Can we clean it very easily? What are the health and safety issues around if there is a leakage and it does spill out? You know, if you get into the piss area with your boots and you rip the, you know, the pond line or plastic that's underneath it and it starts to run all over the floor, this could potentially create a number of safety issues for the venue as well as for the people in that play space. So it's always something that should be considered. And once again, you have to remember that the spaces that we use or that we mostly use or that are available to us are not purpose-built spaces. We have to actually build this up before the party and we have to break it down at the end. So venues are not always going to be so happy to have it. Um, we've had one venue before which wouldn't let us in for 10 years because we had a piss play area and it ran all over the place and it took them ages to clean the following day. And they were not so keen to have us back the next time. So you must also think, you know, about how you use these spaces when you're coming into an event. But we have a meeting at the full fetish venue tomorrow morning, actually. Um, and we will know by then whether or not we'll be allowed to have it. So watch the space and keep your eye on the Recon home feed or social media uh, for a layout map of the venue. And that will be the answer to whether or not we will be having a piss area at full fetish on the 15th. Another really important question that has come up for someone, and this probably relates to more people that might be that might be willing to actually talk very openly about it. Um, and this is someone that approached me at an event before, and I'm really glad they wrote in about it again. And the question was, or the statement, you know, I am autistic. What can I do if I'm feeling overwhelmed or triggered by the music or the crowd? Is there a safe space for me to retreat to? 
Um, and this is something that we have to think about very carefully because once again, you know, what that space is for one will not be the same for all. Um, but there are some venues that are really good about making sure, I think now more than previously, that there is some space that people can retreat to if they suffer from, you know, anxiety or they're being overwhelmed in a space, um, especially if it's their first time. One of the things I know that can happen for sure. And, you know, this isn't a joke. You know, people go into the dark room, the sounds of the, you know, hundreds of guys having sex and the overwhelming smell of poppers. It's crowded. It's heated. This can become very overwhelming and this can trigger any number of people in any number of ways. I have before taken people out, like holding them up, uh, and taking them out of somewhere they can sit down and breathe, taking someone to the medic bay, taking someone to our rec area at the back. So they actually had a space they could completely retreat away from the overwhelming, um, you know, sensation from being within uh, a darkroom space. So it's definitely something we should think about. And I would say, yes, we will always have somewhere that you can retreat to or that we can take you to as long as you approach us and let us know. And if you cannot find a member of the events team, then I would also suggest you find a member of this venue security a number of events now also have welfare officers, which will be wearing um little like neon colored vests or something else that and they're also very easily identified. And please, please, please always make sure you try to find someone if you're feeling overwhelmed or you're feeling anxious or you're having an attack or a trigger of some sort. And we will get you away to a space uh, where you can relax and start to compose yourself as quickly as possible. Another question that has come up. If I come and just want to hang out with my mates, is this party still a good idea for me? And I would definitely say, yes, it's one thing that we've definitely tried to do is to always make sure that at every party we have some kind of social element. And this is something we've started doing at Recon events a number of years ago. Uh, someone said to me probably 12 years ago when we were in the old arches near London Bridge, you know, there's only a dance floor, there's only a play space, but I can't talk to everyone because the music is so loud. So one thing that we always try to make sure is that there is a space where people can talk. Luckily, there are a number of London venues that have outdoor spaces where we can go to where people can hang out and oddly enough these have become the most popular spaces in venues not even the dance floor or the dark room but the outdoor space so we realize how much the social element has become for so many people when they're attending these events they just want to hang out and chat to their mates they want to just be around other people in the same type of gear they may come out and not be interested at all in going to the dark room and that's fine if they don't like the music or you know if we have one or two types of dance floors they may go to another dance room enjoy another type of music but they will always want to retreat and have somewhere they can go and hang out and what's really good is i think that all of the i can say very happily all of the spaces we have for this year's Fetish Week event over all eight days have got outdoor spaces or spaces where you can just socialize if you don't want to play. No one's forcing you to play. There is no rule that says if I go to a fetish party, I have to go to the dark room. That's also maybe another important point to make also. There isn't anything that you have to do when you're at an event. It is about what you want to do and how you want to enjoy yourself as long as it's respectful um, and it's safe 
But there's no rule that say if you go to an event, you must go to the dark room, you must come to the dance floor, you must socialize in this space or that space. We create these spaces and there are different spaces that cater for different things for different people. And you have the choice to choose or to decide how you want to enjoy your party. So there's usually someone for everyone. And then again, don't be afraid to come to us uh, and ask. Uh, something else that has come up that's really important that somebody brought up is about consent. You should talk about consent at events. And I think one of the most important things that we want to um, bring up, and I know you've probably heard this a thousand times, gear does not mean consent. In its most purest form, I will also say, you know, just because someone's, you know, for example, wearing a jockstrap or chaps does not give you the right to think that you can walk up to them and slip your fingers up their bum. This is absolutely inappropriate. It's absolutely unacceptable. And this can result if somebody makes a complaint against you, you will be removed from the venue uh, because it's just absolutely not allowed. You know, you should ask for consent from anyone before engaging in any type of play with them, or especially if they're in a scene. You know, we've had a venue before with um, an event before where we had a scene with uh, a sir and his boy, and they were in a humiliation scene, and somebody else thought that they could just get involved in the scene because it looked like fun and they were into the same thing. And that person was promptly removed from the venue. You are not allowed to touch people inappropriately or to get involved in someone else's scene without being given express consent or or um, permission to do so. There are protocols for these types of things. And if you're unsure, you should always ask the master or the dom or the person who seems to be leading uh, the scene or the scenario whether or not you can get involved. But the safest thing for you to do is to stand back and watch before you feel like you have the right, just because they're in the same space and maybe into the same thing as you to suddenly engage in any type of play with them or any type of sexual activity. I know for a lot of people, they stop going to darkroom spaces because there is so much inappropriate touching. It's really something that we should think about um, much more often than we do. You know, and someone else has come to me before and said, well, they're in the darkroom and that means they're up for it because they're in the darkroom doesn't mean they're up for it. You know, this is akin to saying, you know, so she was wearing a short skirt and so therefore she asked for it. It's not the same. You must actually make sure that you have consent on some form before interacting or having contact with people in the darkroom. Uh, it's absolutely a must. And this is so much more important now more than ever. Another question that always comes up around the same would be about, and I guess it also goes around the inappropriate touching, you know, that someone would ask, well, what should I do if I feel unsafe or if I feel unwell? And this is really a two-part question. And let me address one first. The other one would be around if you feel unwell. Most venues will themselves have in place some type of medic facility. They will have medics on, on premises. Um, and it's one of the things that we always try to make sure as well, especially at play events, that there is a medic or there are medical facilities available where you can go if you feel unwell. These places will normally have a first aid kit or something else that will help you hopefully deal with whatever your issue may be, whether it's a cut or a scrape or something else. Um, and if you feel uns you know, unwell, and if you cannot find the medic station, you should always think about finding one, a member of the uh, recon events team or 
someone from the security from the venue and they will absolutely guide you. The second point on this topic, and this is also around the issue of feeling unsafe. And when we talk about feeling unsafe, this can fall under a number of things for people. And this is unsafe because you feel like maybe you're being harassed. You feel unsafe because you are being touched inappropriately in a dark room. You feel unsafe because someone is being aggressive towards you. Um, you're feeling unsafe because you feel as though you've been discriminated against or feeling as though you might have had too much to drink or that you may have taken party favors. So feeling unsafe can cover a number of things. Um, and once again, I go back to making the point that we now have welfare officers in place, the members of the recon team, venue security have all been briefed on these things. One good thing I will say about the London uh, scene and clubbing scene that they've instituted a number of rules and regulations to make sure that staff go through a whole series of training to be able to identify in these types of issues when they do come up. So people always talk about, oh, well, you know, what is a safe space? And I think a safe space is a space you go into or one definition is a space you go into where you know that the people who are working in the space or running in the space have thought about your safety when you're in the space. Um, for this, we definitely know people like bar staff, um, venue security, welfare teams and events teams have all gone through some sort of training to make sure that these things can be recognized. We've added this information to events before that across um, London and most parts of the UK, they have a campaign, it's an Ask for Angela campaign, which is sort of like a code word you can use if you're feeling unsafe or unwell and you need to let someone know that something is happening, you've been touched inappropriately. You can go to the bar, you can go to a member of security and you can just say, is Angela here? Or I'd like to see Angela. And that is something that they will all recognize as your cry for help, your need for help, your need for assistance. And once again, your safety becomes paramount here. So it's something that we can definitely put out is the Ask for Angela campaign. So if you're ever feeling any type of aggression or discrimination or, you know, unwanted or inappropriate touching or harassment on this level, please, please, please find a member of the team, a welfare officer, a member of the bar or venue security, and they will be more than happy to escort you to a safe place or make sure you get out safely. You know, when we're thinking about this also, there's nothing wrong with also saying, you know, if you've taken some party favors or had too much to drink, I'm feeling unwell. Can I please Take me to the medic center. And I think it's much better if you still have the capacity to do it yourself, that you actually approach someone than for us to go around and find you, you know, twitching in a corner somewhere, looking unwell. But, you know, it's one of the things that we also do as well for officers. We go around the spaces and we try to look and also see if we can identify this issue ourselves. And we will definitely get security or a medic team or someone to come and help you if we see you looking as though that you're in uh, some type of distress or some type of need. So we're keeping our eyes open for you here as well. Another important one. I'm non-seen discreet and worried I'll be seen in pictures and video. And one of the things we take very seriously is, you know, privacy um, at our events. You know, we do have a photo video disclaimer on our event by praise. If you buy tickets, you'll definitely know that it's there. It's even written on the printed tickets about the fact that we will be doing photo and video at events. And it also advises you um, what you 
can or should do if you don't want to be photographed. And that is simply just to approach the, uh, a member, um, you know, from our creative team, you know, whether it's the photographer or the videographer, just to say like, Hey, I don't want to be in, in the shots. One other thing that's really good is that, you know, we've, sometimes have people write in and say, Hey, I can see myself in that photo in the background of that image. Can you please take it down? And with this, we have no issue on deleting it. We will take it down as soon as we can. Once again, your safety is paramount. And, you know, we understand your need for discretion here. So if you don't want to be photographed, tell us you don't want to be photographed. If you think you were photographed, you can always approach them and say, Hey, I believe I may have been in that. Can you check and delete it for me or just make sure it doesn't go up? Email us and let us know, and we'll crop a picture or take it down if necessary, um, in order to make sure that you remain, you know, safe and your discretion um, stays, you know, intact. The last question I'm going to talk about, which is one that has been coming up so often, and quite a few people write about this, and it's: Are women allowed? One thing we realize is that you know times are changing. The scene is changing. I was having a discussion with somebody just outside uh, Compton's in Soho a few days ago. You know, they were expressing their concerns to me that the scene is becoming uh, so less fetishy. Fetish parties aren't authentic anymore, that they've lost the fetish essence because of the, you know, this introduction of the queer movement into the fetish scene and fetish parties are now letting women in. And I'm... I questioned, you know, and I asked, I asked the person, well, have you never been to a straight fetish party? Because there are straight kingsters as well. There are queer kingsters. There are bi kingsters. There are curious kingsters. There are trans kingsters. And, you know, as the same changes, the scene changes and evolves, we know that more and more people come in. And if we think about being this kind of welcoming and inclusive community that we want to be, then we should start thinking about what our spaces are going to look like uh, and how welcoming and inclusive we're actually going to be. You know, I strongly believe there is still a need for preserving to some degree, some form of what we would call our men only spaces. Um, and not, not purely for the fact that, you know, women also have women only spaces. But if I just go back to the pure nature of what recon is, so it's essential for us to have that. But at the same time, we shouldn't be afraid that the scene is evolving. Um, it's growing and new people are coming in. They're exploring their kinks and fetishes in the same way. And just because a queer kinkster or a trans kinkster or, you know, someone who identifies as females in the same space as you doesn't mean that you can't enjoy. You know, we had another event a few months ago here in London, and it was really incredible that some people wrote in and says, well, if you're letting women in, I'm not coming. And I thought, well, then you probably shouldn't come because this is an event for you because we want our events to be inclusive. And if you don't feel like you belong in a space which is evolving and becoming inclusive, then you shouldn't come because that's not where the future of fetish is going. Uh, in case you haven't figured it out yet, it is changing. It is evolving. And I think we should all embrace that change that's coming. Just think about how much more exciting the scene will become, you know. Well, I mean, on the other level, just think about how many more people you'll have the option to play with. You know, I, I will say thank you for, you know, sending us all the questions and all the points. And it's really good because it's really made me think a lot uh, as an organizer um, about the things that we do also to make our safe, our spaces 
not just safe, but also welcoming for people who come in the first time. You know, somebody else has written for us before, like, why don't you do a kind of newbies social or something else like this? And I have talked about it before to say that we will think about it. And I haven't lost the idea. Um, it's still on my mind that we will do it. But at the same time, I also want to remind you once again and make it known that we're very open to you know, you saying to us, you know, hey, I'm a first time, I'm a newbie. I have met many people at an event before. You know, they've written in, I'm coming for the first time, I don't know anyone. And my reply is always, when you get to the venue, ask for me. I'll come out and I'll meet you. I'll walk you around. I have walked people around, bought people a drink, take them to the bar, and to try to make sure that they feel comfortable. You know, people have come in and I've walked them around and they're feeling quite overwhelmed, like, oh my God, I can't do it. It's too much. If you want to sit, it's fine. If you want to leave, we're always happy if you feel like it's really overwhelming and you can't cope with it to give you a refund, basically on the spot to make sure, you know, if you're not comfortable in the space, we will not force you to stay in the space. You know, at the end, your safety, your well-being, um, you know, your mental health always stays at the forefront, you know, and once again, just think to, you know, if you're the first timer, it's fine to find someone from the team and go, Hey, I'm a first timer. You know, can you tell me what should I expect? What should I do? Can you show me around? And we'll be more than happy to do that for you. You know, I will say at the end of it, we want everyone to feel welcome. We want everyone to feel safe. And, you know, when you come out to an event as a newbie, feel free to let us know. But remember, whatever you decide to do, whether it's dance or play or socialize or just be a voyeur or hang out with your friends, just be respectful for others in the space. Keep it sane. Keep it safe. Keep it consensual. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you somewhere during Fetish Week London. 